Welcome to Elm Grove Baptist Church. It is my incredible honor to be here celebrating 170 years of the church where my family attended for four generations, where my mom was baptized, my aunt, my uncles, where I was baptized, my sister, um, where uh, three of us got married here. Um, I'm a little... um, I'm a little speechless uh, and didn't expect to be this morning. This is um, a really special place, uh, and it was absolutely an incredible place to grow up, and I'm so happy to be with you this morning. Thank you for having me.
Some powerful words, powerfully presented. Thank you, Erica, so much. Welcome to Elm Grove. Welcome back in some cases. I know it's been a while for some of you since you've been in this sanctuary. Some things have changed. Some things haven't. One thing that's not changed is that we still stand on the solid rock of Jesus Christ. We always will. As long as I can help it, I tell our people we will stand on the solid rock of Jesus. And I know I'm not alone here in doing that. Welcome. I'm so glad you're here. I hope that you're comfortable. And I doubt you are, but I hope that you are. It's so good to see you this morning. I know we're packed in here. We're looking forward to a wonderful, wonderful day. My name is Brad. I get the privilege of being the pastor here at Elm Grove, and it it is my pleasure to have you here this morning. Thank you for so many of you who have gone above and beyond to make this event possible. Some folks have worked tirelessly over the last several uh, days and weeks to make things possible. You'll see in the gym a lot of the results of that from the Elm Grove Historical Society and others who have done a lot of work to tell the story of this great church over 170 years of God's faithfulness. And that is the ultimate story, that God has been faithful to Elm Grove, that He has never left this place, that His glory is still here And we are still the light on the hill shining here in the Elm Grove community. And so it's a privilege to welcome you today. We've got some special guests with us. We'll recognize some of those a little bit later. But one particular special guest I do want to introduce to you will be our guest speaker today. His name is Dr. Paul Chitwood. Dr. Chitwood is the Executive Director, Treasurer of the Kentucky Baptist Convention. So he is the man in charge. If you don't like what I'm doing, you go talk to him and maybe he can do something about it. All right. And so uh, so anyway, he is he's uh, blessed us with his presence today. I know he'll bless us with a great word of God. He pastored several churches in Kentucky, most recently First Baptist of Mount Washington, just south of Louisville, before uh, going to the Kentucky Baptist Convention to lead uh, the great organization that represents 2,400 gospel-focused churches here in Kentucky. And so, uh, Dr. Chitwood, thank you so much and welcome. I'm going to pray for us, and then we will have opportunity to stand together in just a moment, and we'll be led in worship by Randy McClure and Danny McGrew. Let's pray together. Our Heavenly Father, we're grateful to be here this morning. We thank you for the privilege of gathering. We thank you, Lord, for the opportunity that we have to see you again today. We pray that as we sing, that as we give, as we hear a sermon, as we respond, and as we share a meal together, that all that will be said and done will be honor and glory to the name of Jesus Christ. It's in that name we pray. Amen. Would you stand with me, please? Say hey. 
Let me invite our kiddos. If you are anywhere from preschool up to around fourth grade, we offer something called Worship Kids Style. If you're planning on going to that this morning, you don't have to, but if you are, and parents, uh, we've got some good folks over there if you want to turn them loose. Join me down here. Mr. Andrew, our children's minister, is going to come and pray for us, and then we'll be dismissed over there. How's everybody doing this morning? Good. I'm glad to see you. Hey, I need to see here. Give me... I need the three guys on my t-ball team. Where's Duke and Charlie and Chandler? You guys come over here real quick. Okay, come here. I need your help. Can you guys help me with something? Okay. Now, all right. You see this little bag right behind Chandler on the on the chair? Okay. I need I need you three guys to pick that up for me. Okay. Go ahead. All right. Can you can you do it? All right. Now, here's what I want you to do. Okay. Hold on. We're gonna give this to Mr. Paul. Okay, this is a special gift from our church. Can you guys handle this? Now, what we're going to do first, though, is I want to show everybody this really, really cool gift that's in here. Because it's super special, not only to him, but it will be awesome for everybody else who's here. Because they're going to love it. Because the Cubs won the World Series. How about that? All right, so I want you guys to take that over. There's some other stuff in Cool part. All right, there we go. All right, thanks, guys. I listen. I, I couldn't help it. I love you all, but I just couldn't help it. The Cubs won the World Series, and all the Cardinal fans. At least you showed up today. You knew something was coming. But uh, anyway, I'm so glad that you all are here this morning. Mr. Andrew's going to pray for us. Okay, here we go. Lord, thank you so much for this day and for the chance to celebrate what you've done in this church, Lord, and that we can continue to be the the rock that the city needs, Lord, that we represent you wherever we go, that we are the city on the hill. I thank you for these kids and for the fun and the excitement and the joy that they bring and for the opportunity we have to teach them your word. In Jesus' name we pray. Amen. Dr. Chitwood. 
is a Cubs fan, and so I know we've got a few other Cubs fans here this morning, and so I guess congratulations, the long wait is finally over. So as, as they're going across, what I want to do this morning is take the opportunity to recognize some special guests that we have with us. You may not realize that you are one of our special guests this morning, but when I describe uh, the, the folks that are here in the next few moments, if, if I describe who you are, I just want you to stand. There'll be several folks standing with you, and we want to celebrate God's faithfulness over the years. And so uh, this morning, I know we have several who have served on staff in some capacity here. I believe I'm the only pastor that was able to make it this morning. I decided to show up, and so uh, anyway, I get paid to be here, so I guess I had to. But uh, but we, we have some other present and past staff members, and so if that's you, if you've served in any kind of staff capacity, whether that be as a youth minister, children's minister, pianist, organist, custodian, secretary, treasurer, anybody like that, if you've served in a staff position, would you stand this morning, past or present, would you stand and let us recognize you this morning? Very good. You're not alone. Welcome back and welcome to you. Thank you. Jeremy, good to see you this morning. Miss Eva as well. If we have any past or present deacons that are here with us this morning, have served in that capacity at Elm Grove, would you stand, please? Deacons, don't be shy, fellas. Thank you. That's it. I guess the rest of the guys are serving. We got some in the back. Yeah, we got two or three I see in the back. Welcome. Do we have any past or present trustees? Anybody that was elected and served as a trustee here, you took your tour of duty. Please, please stand. Thank you so much. Absolutely. Brent, by the way, I've got you a shirt as well, my friend. I've got you one. That's right. I'll look after you. Do we have any past? This will be a large crowd. Past or present Sunday school teachers, the heart and soul of our church. Do we have past and present Sunday school teachers? Would you stand, please? Lots of folks have served in that capacity. Thank you so much. In, in the 170 years of Elm Grove, I know we have uh, participated very directly in at least two different church plants. One of those is Life Community Church. Brent and Jill and Sam are here this morning representing Life Community Church. We helped about, I guess now three to four years ago now. It's been a little bit since you all really started to ramp up and get going. And so, yeah, about three years. So thank you all so much. I asked Chuck, their pastor, if he could send a representative, and he sent you all. And so we're really excited. And so uh, thank you for that. We also have representatives from Poplar Spring Baptist. This church, Danny and Evelyn Phillips, are, or Evelyn Phillips rather, are here. And if you would stand, please, and let us recognize you. Are they were they able to get here this morning? Yes, there you are. Thank you so much. Poplar Spring Baptist was planted 130 years ago, and so 40 years after our church. Thank you all for being here with us today. I spoke with their pastor this week, and he said he'd send some representatives, so thank you so much. I want to recognize also anyone, as Erica mentioned, several folks have been baptized here at Elm Grove, whether that was down at the lake, at the creek, or maybe in our baptistry that was constructed sometime in the 50s. If you are a person who has been baptized under the ministry of Elm Grove Baptist Church, would you stand, please? Amen. I tell you every time that we baptize somebody, don't ever get used to that. It's a miracle in and of itself. Anytime someone comes to the Lord and follows Him, certainly in baptism. One last thing that I want to do this morning is to recognize our longest tenured member. And I don't know who that is, and I'm not going to start calling names out because I'll be wrong and get in trouble with some old ladies. But I... <laughs> I want to eat today, so I'm not, I'm not going there. 
trust me. I would just... I've got two grandmothers. I don't want to cross a third, so don't want to do it. So here's what I want to do, though. I, I want to recognize if you have been a member here at Elm Grove Baptist Church, your membership has been here for 40 years or more. Would you please stand? 40 years or more you've been a member here at Elm Grove Baptist Church. Several folks I know, absolutely. Remain, remain standing, please. Remain, remain standing. If your membership has been here for 45 or more years, would you remain standing? If you, if you have been a member here at Elm Grove for 50 or more years, would you remain standing? Well, you're not claiming that, are you? If your membership has been here 55 or more years, please remain standing. We're down to a few. I'm going to count up. I'm going to count up by ones now. All right, 56 or more years. Please remain standing. 57. 58. Miss Wanda, it looks like you are our longest tenure member. Wonderful. We've got a. That's so awesome. And then finally, I do want to recognize if you this morning are with three or more generations of your family, three or more generations who have been touched by the ministry of this church at one point or another, if that is you and you are here with three or more generations of your family, would you stand and let us recognize you this morning? Three or more generations are here this morning. up, don't we? That's right. That is so wonderful. Thank you all so much for being here this morning. It's been my privilege to serve here as the pastor for the past eight years. And I tell folks, I've never met a friendlier, uh, more generous bunch of people. And uh, I wrote in our newsletter this month that uh, I came here and I was a rookie pastor. I had no experience other than youth ministry. And so I've sort of treated this like youth ministry for big people. That's just that's the way that it goes. And so I, I, I don't know if it's gone well or not, but, uh, but I certainly have been privileged to be the pastor here. And so on behalf of anyone who has served here uh, in this role behind this pulpit, thank you so much for your service, for your love, for your continued commitment to the Lord Jesus Christ, and for your commitment to this church. It is a blessing to stand behind here each week. We're going to pray. We'll stand and we'll sing one more song. The offering plates will go around after that. And Ben Cossie will bless us with a song. And then Dr. Chitwood will preach. You'll see that there in your order of worship. And uh, you, you have something? Yes. Oh, thank you very much, Rick. I appreciate that. Thank you. Well, let's pray together and then we'll stand to sing. Lord, we thank you so much for all the folks who have served here, all the people who have been members for so many years, for, Lord, the rock that you have built on through their faith in the Lord Jesus Christ. We thank you for this church, for its impact. We pray, Lord, that you would continue to anoint Elm Grove Baptist Church for future impact so that in 170 years from now they'll look back and be grateful for what you did way back when. Lord, as we continue our service, be honored and glorified in all that we say and do. In Jesus' name, amen. Would you stand, please, as Danny leads us? Let's sing the song in Christ alone. In Christ alone, my hope is found. 
uh, and preach here. Uh, preach your word and always stand on the truth of your word. And uh, Lord, we just pray that this church will continue to stand and be a blessing in this community. Lord, we just uh, lift up this day, lift up all the people that are here. Uh, bless each one. Lord, we the deal that we're going to take later. Uh, we great time of fellowship. Lord, we just pray that we our nation and uh, lead us and give us uh, the leaders that we need. Be done to ask in Christ's name. Gladly swap.
We can try that again. There we go. <laughs> Lead singer, third day, ever needs to take a break from the tour. I think the tour could go on. Uh, that's good. That's good. Thank you so much. Uh, what a blessing. What a great day. What a great crowd. What a great church. What a great Savior. Thank you, Brother Brad, for allowing me to preach today. I hate you. Can't preach this crowd. Don't hate it bad enough to let you. But... Uh, He must like me, and I like him. Don't you like him? Amen. 
You all have a wonderful pastor, and he loves this church. He loves you. And I thank the Lord for uh, bringing him here and allowing him to pastor a wonderful church like this, for allowing you to have a uh, wonderful pastor like Brother Best. Beautiful to see a good marriage like that. Don't uh, I, I'm in a lot of churches uh, every week, and that's not always the case. And so it just encourages me so much, and, and uh, I'm thankful. Let me also say before we turn our attention to God's Word this morning, uh, how thankful I am uh, for what this church is doing, not just to share the gospel of the Lord Jesus in this community, but what you're doing far beyond this community. There are over a thousand hurting kids in Kentucky this morning, right now, who are being loved and cared for by Elm Grove Baptist Church. Through our Kentucky Baptist Homes for Children, Sunrise Children's Services, uh, you are touching the lives of more than a thousand kids. One of those kids is in our home. My wife, Michelle, and I, uh, foster parent through Sunrise, little four-year-old Lily, uh, came to us when she was three last January, and and she had known some very, very difficult days in her young life. But she is now in a place where uh, she's no longer hungry because she had been. She's no longer homeless because she had been. Uh, she no longer has lice in her hair. Uh, the teeth are now fixed. Uh, just so much has changed in her life because you've loved her and you've cared for her as you give through the cooperative program supporting that ministry. And I want to thank you for that. There were 14,000 kids showed up for summer camp at Jonathan Creek just up the road in Cedarmore this summer. They heard the gospel and had a good time. And 895 of them professed faith in Christ. And you made that possible because you helped make those camps possible as you give through the cooperative program. I want to thank you on behalf of those 895 kids who are now saved. Thank you on behalf of 50 church planters that you're helping fund. Uh, not just Life Community, but 50 more right now in Kentucky that you're making those church plants possible as you support them uh, through your cooperative program giving. When you put your offering in the offering plate just a few uh, moments ago, uh, there's a thousand churches across North America being planted right now. There are your churches, uh, and uh, there's 3,600 missionaries serving overseas, taking to the gospel that the gospel to the ends of the earth. Uh, they're sharing the good news of Jesus where the good news of Jesus wouldn't be heard if they weren't there. You've put them there. You provide for them. And I want to thank you. We're turning our attention this morning to uh, the Bible's last words. And if you want to follow along with me and in the text, maybe you have a Bible handy or on your phone or, or you just want to listen closely, uh, you can best find... The passage we're looking at by opening that back cover. We're looking at the last testament, the last book, the last chapter, the last two verses of the Bible. Revelation 22, verses 20 and 21. Revelation 22, verses 20 and 21. God closes his book with these words. He who testifies about these things says, Yes, I am coming quickly. Amen. Come, Lord Jesus. The grace of the Lord Jesus be with all the saints. Amen. And amen. It's interesting that that's the way the Bible closes. A word about the coming of Christ. Coming quickly coming soon. 
But it's not just uh, these last couple of verses in the last chapter of the Bible that highlight uh, the return of Jesus. No less than four times in this chapter, we find reference to the soon coming of Christ. Now, as I think about a church celebrating 170 years, uh, I thought it might be appropriate for us this morning to remember why God put Elm Grove here. What God has asked Elm Grove to do and the sense of urgency that must accompany your work. And I can find no greater passage to speak to that and hopefully motivate us in what God wants to do in and through us, our lives as followers of Christ, certainly as a church family, uh, than focusing on this, the great event of Christ's return. I grew up over in the southeastern part of the states in the mountains, uh, right on the state line. Like you, not far from the state line, we actually were on the state line in the little town of Jellicoe, Whitley County, Kentucky, Campbell County, Tennessee. And so I think back to the preaching I heard uh, over in the mountains as a boy growing up, and the preaching and teaching that I hear a lot today. It occurs to me that, that I don't hear nearly as much emphasis placed upon the second coming of Jesus typically today as I did when, when I was a boy listening. Maybe it was just mountain preaching. I don't know. But, but there just seemed to be a lot of focus on it. And I don't hear it focused on as much today. In fact, uh, typically when, when it's discussed, uh, there's, there, there's an attitude that, uh, that uh, is discernible. Even among church-going people, when we talk about Jesus coming again, and, and, and it goes something like this. Jesus is coming again. Well, whatever. Yeah, that's great. I'm for it. Oh, did you mean today? <laughs> Jesus is coming? Well, I, I'm not against that. But does it have to be right now? <laughs> and, and we think... Well, there was still some things I wanted to do, still some places I wanted to go, still some experiences I wanted to have in life. It's not that I'm against it. I just don't know uh, how much I'd be for it if you mean this moment, this day. There are different images that the Bible gives us to help us understand the church, the role of the church, the identity of the church, the work of the church. Uh, one of those images is that of a, of a bride. Now you're familiar with that in Scripture. The church is referred to as the bride of Christ. Christ is the groom. In fact, oftentimes when Scripture references the church as the bride of Christ, it does so in the context of talking about the groom coming for his bride. Uh, just a few chapters back from where we're reading now, uh, we find that very language used. If you're familiar with the book of Revelation, then, then uh, you, you will recall that what we find here basically is a series of visions that the Lord has given to John. And at one point in uh, those visions, backing up to Revelation 19, here's what John says he saw. Revelation 19, we'll begin reading in verse 6. John says, then I heard something like the voice of a vast multitude, big crowd, like today, bigger. The sound of cascading waters and like the rumbling of loud thunder saying, hallelujah, because our Lord God, the Almighty, has begun to reign. Let us be glad, rejoice, and give him glory. 
Because the marriage, there it is, the marriage of the Lamb has come. And his wife, who's the wife? It's the church. His wife, the church, has prepared herself. She was given fine linen to wear. It's her wedding day. Pride and pure. For the fine linen represents the righteous acts of the saints. Uh, Then he said to me, write, those invited to the marriage feast of the Lamb are fortunate. He also said to me, these words of God are true. Time of celebration. Uh, A time to look forward to. A time to anticipate. And, And you're fortunate if you're there. To be able to be a part of of the celebration. Weddings are a time of celebration, aren't they? I imagine there's been quite a few weddings at Elm Grove over the course of 170 years. Anybody here married at Elm Grove? We didn't we didn't get that group to stand, Brother Brad, but yeah, several folks. You've been here long enough. You've probably done a few weddings here, haven't you? Yeah. It's a beautiful sanctuary. You wouldn't have to do much to decorate and get ready for a wedding in here. I, I don't know what it looked like for those of you who were married here. Brother Brad, the, the, the weddings you've done, but I imagine you probably move the pulpit out, don't you? Yeah. Brother Brad probably uh, standing up here somewhere, and, and uh, we, we've got things ready. And a uh, maid of honor is going to be over here attending uh, to the bride when she's in place, and, and a little flower girl. And I know we've got extra chairs in here this morning, but, but probably, I mean, the bridesmaids may be across uh, through the front here. And, uh, over here on this other side, you've got. Uh, uh, the best man, all those groomsmen, and and then there's that little ring bearer fella. <laughs> Brother Brad, I don't know how you handle things with a ring bearer, but I get very specific when it comes to the ring bearer. Uh, I give very specific instructions to the best man, and they go something like this. I want you to take one hand, you put it on one shoulder. <laughs> I want you to take the other hand, I want you to put it on another shoulder. And don't you let go of that boy till this thing's over. You never know what those other fellers are going to do. I, uh, we had one break loose one time, and he headed over to the wall, and then he turned around, about face, just like a little soldier. He took a run and commenced to doing somersault flip-flops all the way across the front, and everybody was doing just what you're doing right now. They were laughing, and man, I was glad the bride had a good sense of humor. It could have turned south quickly, but she just laughed, and it all went okay, but... It's wedding day here at Elm Grove Baptist. We've got everybody in place. The groom's at the altar. Everyone's here but the bride. Uh, the piano strikes up that song. I don't know much about music, but is it Canon D? Is that, uh, somebody told me it was Canon D, but you, it's the song that you, they play when the bride comes in. You, you, you know, and, and we hear it, and what do we do? We, we stand in her honor. We all turn, and there she is back at the... At the double doors there, and that's that's not her back there now, but <laughs> but it's wedding day, so it, there she is. She's under her father's arm. You're imagining with me, and and, and we're we're waiting for her to walk the aisle, uh, but she's not moving, <laughs> and it looks like she struck up a conversation back there with her daddy, and we can't hear what she's saying because she's way back there, and we're up here. Plus that piano's playing. But if we could, here's what she's saying. Now, Daddy, you know I want to get married. I'm just not sure I want to do it today. 
Daddy, do you mind to go in and tell all our friends and family here at Elm Grove Baptist, uh, just thank you so much for coming, and, and we're going to have us a wedding. We're just not going to have it today. Poor old boy standing here at the front. What's going on? I mean, best case scenario, she just got a little case of cold feet and, and she's not ready to get married today. Worst case scenario, might be another lover has stolen her heart. She didn't have any plans to marry this old boy. And there's somebody else who she's fallen for. The Bible tells us that the church is the bride of Christ. And that Christ's coming is her wedding day, a day uh, to rejoice over and to be excited about. But the attitude of the church is, well, yeah, it's great, but it's got to be today. Might it be that we've fallen far too in love with the things the Creator has given us than the Creator, than the Savior? How could you and I be sure we're ready? To meet him when he comes. How could we be sure that our our children, our grandchildren, that our neighbors, our friends, how, how could we be sure that those around us have the opportunity to, to be ready to meet him when he comes? How could we be sure, Elm Grove, that, that uh, for not just 170 years past, but for whatever years moving forward that the Lord delays his coming, that, 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 that we're doing our job, that we're making sure that, that everyone has the opportunity to be ready to meet him when he comes? Uh, let me offer a few responses to those questions based upon what we read here. And the first response is this. We... We need to prepare for His coming. We need to prepare for it because it is imminent and is exclusive. What do I mean by that? Well, it's, it's imminent. That is to say He's coming soon. And that's what the text says. Look with me again. Uh, I mentioned there's no less than four references to the soon coming of Christ in this chapter. The first one is in verse 7. Revelation 22 and verse 7. Jesus is speaking in the vision to John. And here's what He says. He says, Look, I am coming quickly. The one who keeps the prophetic words of this book is blessed. That's the first reference to his coming. The second is in verse 10. Skip down a few verses. He also said to me, do not seal up, do not seal the prophetic words of this book because the time is near. What time is near? The time of his coming. There's a third reference in verse 12. Look with me to verse 12. Jesus again speaking the vision. He says, look, I'm coming quickly and my reward is with me to repay each person according to what he has done. That's the third. The fourth we've already read. It was in verse 20. He who testifies about these things says, yes, I am coming quickly. And John says, amen. Come, Lord Jesus. Four times. I'm coming soon. My return is imminent. I'm coming quickly. And yet what you and I know is Elm Grove's been waiting 170 years. And the church has been waiting 2,000 years. Why such an emphasis on Jesus coming quickly, Him coming soon, when so much time has passed? Well, I think there's a clue to be found here in verse 11. Look with me in verse 11. 
It says, let the unrighteous. Now, I want to warn you, this is a strange sounding Bible verse, especially at the beginning. You'll see why. Let the unrighteous go on in unrighteousness. Let the filthy or the sinful go on being made filthy. Does that sound like Bible? You're unrighteous, just keep on being unrighteous. You're filthy and you're sin, just keep on being filthy and you're sin. Now it gets a little better here at the second part of the verse. It says, let the righteous go on in righteousness. Let the holy uh, go on uh, being made holy. First part of that sounds a little strange. I mean, could you imagine uh, Jonah showing up in Nineveh? And he begins to preach. He finally got there, didn't want to go, but you know, you know the story. God has his way. Jonah announces, you sorry Ninevites, just keep on being sorry Ninevites. That's not what Jonah preached. He preached the judgment of God is coming on this place. Turn from your sin. John came preparing the way for the Lord, the Bible teaches us. John the Baptist. You remember what John preached? You scribes and Pharisees, you pit of vipers, just keep right on being a pit of vipers. No. John said, repent and make ready for the coming of the Lord. Peter preached at Pentecost. The book of Acts records it. The Bible says those who heard him preach were, were, were pierced in their hearts and they cried out, what must we do to be saved? And Peter said, just keep on doing what you're doing. No. Peter said, repent and be baptized, every one of you, for the remission of your sin. The call of Scripture, the call of the gospel, the call of Christ is a call to turn from your sins in repentance and trust in the Savior, acknowledging Him as Lord of your life. That's the gospel message. That's how we're saved. And that's the call of Scripture. Why, why then this, these words about if you're unrighteous, keep on being unrighteous. If you're a filthy sinner, keep on being a filthy sinner. Well, remember the context. What's this chapter about? It's about the day of the Lord's coming. And on that day, it'll be too late. It'll be too late to repent. You might as well go on in your unrighteousness. Continue on your sin. Because on the day of Christ's coming, the opportunity to be saved will have passed. Brothers and sisters, that's why there's a sense of urgency that must always accompany the preaching of the gospel. Because when Christ comes, it'll be too late to respond to the gospel and be saved. That's why a sense of urgency must always accompany the hearing of the gospel and the response to the gospel. I don't know what time I have left. He may come today. He may come this hour. I have heard that I'm lost in my sins. I need a Savior. A Savior has come. He's done everything that needs to be done. Why would I risk it? Why would I put it off? When His coming is imminent. You see... We need to prepare now and make sure others are prepared. We need to prepare because His coming is imminent. We need to prepare because it's exclusive. What I mean by that? Uh, Let me put that in my native tongue, which is hillbilly. (laughs) He ain't coming for everybody. Uh, Jesus isn't coming for everyone. He's coming for His bride. 
is coming for his adopted sons and daughters. I think that's indicated in verse 7. Jesus says again, reading from verse, look, I'm coming quickly. He goes on to say, the one who keeps the prophetic words of this book is blessed. He doesn't say everyone is blessed when I come. He says the one who keeps the prophetic words of the book. What's the, what, what's, what's the book? What are the prophetic words? Well, he's, he's talking about Scripture. What's the message of Scripture? Is it, it the message that the Savior is coming? I mean, that's the message of the Old Testament. Uh, back to the fall in the garden. Adam and Eve needed a Savior. Uh, the Lord gave the law. Not to teach the people, this is how you please me and how you get saved. No, it was to teach them that they couldn't. We can't please God. We, 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 we can't save ourselves. We fall short. The law, it's impossible for us to keep the sacrifices we read of in the Old Testament. Not that the blood of sheep and goats could cleanse us from sin. No, they point to the Savior who's coming. The once for all sacrifice. And the prophets speak of him. And then he comes. And he walks among us. And willingly he gives his life for us. And he is raised. And he ascends to the Father. And from that day until this day, the church has been preaching. The Savior has come and he's coming again. And those who know him, those who are saved... For them, it's going to be an eternally glorious day that's going to unfold when Christ comes. But for those who do not know Him, for those who are not saved, for those who refuse to give Him a place in their life, the Bible says they'll be separated from Him forever. Now, what does that look like? What does that mean? Well, think about what we know about God. The Bible says God is love. Do you believe God is love? He's the source of love. Now, if you take away love out of your life and the source of love, there's no love left. What remains? The hatred of hell. The Bible says the Spirit of God is our comforter. Now, if you take away your comfort and your comforter, any source of comfort in your life, what remains? The agony and the suffering of hell. The Bible says uh, Christ is our joy. Now, you take away joy and the source of any joy in your life, what remains? The sorrow and the grieving. That is hell. The Bible says Jesus is your life. You take away life, the source of life, what do you have left? The eternal death of hell. I don't want any of that. I, I like love and I like comfort and I like joy and I love life. And Jesus is all of that to me. And He will be to any who's trusting as their Savior. I, I, I don't want any of that. That is the sorrow, the agony, the suffering, the death for those I love. Do you? I, I don't want that for strangers. I, I, I wouldn't want that for an enemy. And the Bible says those of us who have heard and believed the gospel are to share it. Because when the Lord comes, He's only coming for those who are His. I got off an airplane in Louisville Airport some time back, been a few weeks overseas. 
We had a large group that uh, that uh, had traveled with us on a mission trip. We made our way up through the security checkpoint, and and it was a, a large group there to greet us, uh, family, friends uh, of everyone who had gone on the trip, and and I, I knew a whole bunch of them, just about all of them. But you know, as they were there in a in a big crowd, sort of gathered as we were walking through, I, I just practically walked by them all. I didn't hardly stop and shake a hand or speak to anybody. I just walked right by them. Why is that? Well, I'd already spotted back at the back of the crowd there. It was this curly-headed blonde that I picked out when she was 14. Now, I didn't marry her when she was 14. We're from the mountains, but <laughs> we, we waited a little while. Now, both of our grandmothers married at 14. That's, that's true, but we, we waited a little while. But I tell you, I, I'm glad all those people came. But that wasn't who I'd been missing. That wasn't who I was coming to see. I'd missed my bride. I was glad to be home to see her. That boy standing at her side, my son, my bow hunting buddy, I'd missed him. Those little girls, I'd missed them. And that's who I was. Because the Lord's coming. And I believe because Scripture teaches He's coming soon. And those who are His, His adopted sons and daughters, those who are part of His church, for us it's going to be a beautiful day, a wonderful day. For those of us who are prepared for that day, let, let, let us not ignore the plight of others. Let's be about the business of sharing the gospel and doing our work for their sake and for Christ's sake. How can I prepare? Be sure others are prepared. Be ready. We prepare. It's coming. It's imminent. exclusive. One more thing I want to share with you, though, because I love the way John responds after hearing four times Jesus is coming quickly. John prays for the Lord's coming. He prays for the Lord's coming. Did you notice that? Look with me again at verse uh, 20. Jesus speaking in the vision says, He who testifies these things says, I, I, I am coming quickly. And John's response is, Amen, come Lord Jesus. John hears uh, Jesus say something like, He gives a good amen. Must have been a good Baptist. <laughs> we hear something we like. You hear Brother Brad preaching. It resonates with your heart and you say, Amen. But it's interesting, that's not an English word. You use it. You speak in English or he'll be there or whatever it is. Uh, it's not an English word. It's a Greek word. We, 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 we don't even translate that word. The technical term is we transliterate it. We bring the foreign word into our language. Amen. Amen is the way you would say it. Uh, something like that in the Greek. And If you were to translate it, literally it would mean let it be or let it happen. Let it come to pass. But, but you, you know what it is. It's a term of agreement. And that's what John, John hears the Lord say, I'm coming, I'm coming quickly. John's not like, uh, well, I guess that's all right. I, yeah, I'm not against it, but uh, what's the rush? No, John's more like, really, Lord? You, you, you mean maybe, maybe today these shackles? will be broken from my ankles and my wrists. Maybe today this prison cell door would fling open and I'd be free. Maybe today the stench of death is all around me in this place, Lord. Maybe, maybe today it would be the aroma of heaven. Maybe today, Lord, uh, my brothers and sisters throughout the Roman Empire being persecuted 
crucified, burned at the stake, parents left without children, children without parents. Maybe today, Lord, you'd, you'd call your church home. Come, Lord. Come. I assure you that the plight of the church today is worse than the plight of the church in John's day. The suffering for the gospel that John knew in his own life and that was taking place around him has been multiplied many, many times over as we look at the church across the world today. Our brothers and sisters in Nigeria where it's still night. Another night passes. Months even have turned into years since their little girls were taken away. Some have come back, many have not. The jihadists have taken those little Christian girls. Could you imagine the pain in the heart of a father, a mother, the little eight-year-old girl, the little nine-year-old girl, what's become of her? If the thought of the Lord's coming were to cross their mind as they wet their pillow with tears tonight, don't you know it would be, come, Lord, come. Our brothers and sisters in China, uh, North Korea, the Middle East, being slaughtered. Come quickly, Lord Jesus. Church, don't we understand? Even for us, it's a good promise. It's the best promise. The Lord's coming for you. It's something to pray for. When I was a little fellow growing up, uh, I was actually two years old. Our, our mother left our home. I had a four-year-old brother and a one-year-old brother. And from that point on, our father raised us. Uh, it was a little strange back in the early 1970s for a dad to get custody, but that's the way it worked out for us. And uh, our mother had visitation rights. And we'd visit with her over a weekend when school was in, maybe uh, when school was out, an extended period. And divorce is touched about all our families. So you know what I'm talking about when I talk about the handoff or the exchange. When the kids go from one parent to the other uh, for a visit or custody and Maybe a grandparent's doing the delivering, but I remember when we were uh, youngsters coming up, some of those handoffs didn't go all that well. Uh, Dad had one boy wrapped around one leg, another boy wrapped around another leg, another boy holding on to his waist. Dad, don't make us go, okay? Can't we stay home? Please. That's not that our mother mistreated us. She, she was good to us. It's just that, you know, Dad was the one raising us. He's the one taking care of us. That's what we were used to, and, and that's what we liked. And, and on top of that, you couldn't take your dirt bike, your BB gun. And, Can't we just stay home? I remember something Dad would always do that we kind of take the motion out of those moments and and turn them around. He, he was a tall man. He he'd kneel down. He'd line us up in front of him. He'd look us in the eye, and here's the way he'd say: he'd "Say, boys, you go on with your mother." It'll be okay. I'll be to get you. Now go on, boys. Do what you're supposed to do. It's all going to be all right. I, I promise you. I'll be to get you. Now, Dad never lied to us, and we knew that about him. And so, sure enough, once he gave us that assurance, uh, we'd dried up, we'd get in line, we'd go. And it was always okay. Because he always came. If you belong to the Lord, He's given you a promise. I'll be to get you. It's a good promise. 
And so he says to you, you go on and you do what I've asked you to do. Uh, go on, you, you, you keep sharing with others about me. I know some of them, they, they see you coming, they go the other direction. They're tired, they don't want, that's okay, you don't have to save anybody. <laughs> that's the Lord's word. You just share. When you have opportunity, when you can make opportunity, you share. The Lord says, it's all right. You keep sharing, I'll be to get you. The Lord says, take up your cross another day and follow me. Now, I don't know what that looks like in your life right now. I don't know how heavy it is, how much it hurts, how hard it is to carry. You know. But here's what the Lord says. You take up your cross another day and you follow me. It'll be okay. I'll be to get you. It's a good promise, church. Let us be about the business that we're to be about. Keep doing what the Lord has called you to do. He's coming. And He's coming soon. This morning, if you have any question in your mind or heart, if you are ready to meet Him, if you're prepared for His coming, if it were to be right now, I want to encourage you. It's far too critical. No more important issue in your life right now than that that one will be settled. That you'd put your trust in Jesus as Savior. That you'd confess Him as Lord. You can do that right where you are. We're about to hear a song. And, and uh, as, as we do, I want to encourage you just to bow your head in prayer. You put your trust in Christ. In a few moments, we're all going to stand. And if you have trusted Christ as your Savior today, we want to be able to celebrate it with you and welcome you into God's family. So the pastor's going to be here at the front, and I'd encourage you to come and share that with him. Maybe you have questions, what that would mean, what it would take. Brad can answer those questions. You come when we stand in just a moment. Maybe the Lord is leading you to be a part of this church and do the work that He's called you to do and Elm Grove to do. It'd be a good day to join the church, 170th anniversary. I know they would joyfully welcome you to come and serve with them. However, God's dealing with you. Maybe there needs to be a few moments in prayer at this altar for someone you know who's not ready. And you'd pray for their soul. You'd pray God to move in their heart and God to give you the opportunity to share with them. You can do that today. You listen prayerfully as the Lord speaks to you. Such a wonderful word, convicting word for me this morning, I know. Nelson Key's going to come and lead us in just a moment. As Dr. Chitwood said, in the first verse and chorus as he sings, and then we'll stand to join together. Let me encourage you, deal with what God has spoken to you this morning. I do hope it's a convicting word. I hope it's a challenging word, both individually and collectively. I'm going to pray for us, and then Nelson, if you would, you can come and lead us. As I pray, you deal with God. I'll be down front. Feel free to talk to me. Certainly Dr. Chip would be happy to answer any question. Let's pray together and then we'll, we'll be ministered to and then we'll sing together. Heavenly Father, in these closing moments, we ask for a move of your spirit. We pray, Lord, for those who have been holding out, for those who desperately this morning know that they need to give their lives to Jesus. For some who have been playing the game, and pretending. May today be the day of true conviction. 